Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where we sign a Panthers personality every week to a one-day contract to join the show. Uh, Check out the Riot Network for all of our podcast pals uh, all over the internet, whether it is It Is What It Is. We have a great draft miniseries that's kicking off in a couple weeks uh, with Vincent Richardson and a special guest host that I don't know if I'm supposed to introduce yet, so I'm not going to. But anyway... Um, my name is Josh Klein. I will be your uh, kind of host. Mostly I'll just uh, defer and we'll yell at each other. But uh, Nikki Wolf is on location. Um, maybe she's in Mobile with, uh, with David Tepper and, uh, and Matt Rule and Phil Snow. Um, I'll tell you, she's not. Spoilers. Um, she is not on the episode today. Also not in Mobile. And uh, joining us today, or joining me today, to my left via Zoom, is... Uh, Columnist and contributor for the Riot Report. Colin Hoggard is here. Colin, what's up, man? I appreciate you trying to cover for Nikki, but let's just let's just cut to the cut to the chase. She's at a Froyo shop opening today. <laughs> and, and look, if it had been an ice cream stand, I could have been good with it, but but not the home of the gluttony cup. I, I, can I just pay eleven dollars and get the whole cup and fill it with whatever I want? I have to come back with my little shame weighing at the end of it. There really is nothing more embarrassing than going to the to the scale at the Froyo at TCBY and realizing that you're going to spend $8 doubled, on this cup. Yeah, and you doubled the weight of everyone else in your party and then you have to carry that cup to the table, you know, with the shameful shameful knowing that you are the fatty in the group. Uh, so, but anyways, that's what Nikki's doing, Froyo shop. So, absolutely. Well, I, and I don't blame her. I actually love, I love Froyo. I love myself a nice frozen treat. Can't wait for the weather to warm up a little bit, um, so I can get myself a cone. When I used to live in New York, uh, I would walk home from the subway, and there would be like an ice cream truck that was parked in the two blocks between the subway stop and my apartment, and I would eat an ice cream cone every single day on the way home from work before I arrived home from work. And then I would eat a full dinner with my wife and also probably a dessert <laughs> afterwards. And why did I, why did I gain weight in New York? Who could tell? Weird, right? Uh, joining us today, he's been, uh, been fantastically sitting there waiting to weigh in with his favorite Froyo topping and uh, what the most weight that he's ever pushed at a, at a TCBY or a, uh, I'm trying to think of what, what the other ones are. Menchies, is that what a frozen yogurt Sweet is? Sweet frog. Sweet frog. Thank you. Julian Council, host of the 704 podcast, joining us. Julian, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Yeah, Josh, Colin, glad to be here, guys. And um, as far as the most weight I've ever pushed by getting some froyo, God, it probably had to be like four or five pounds in one sitting. I was always a big fan of the gummy worms. There's some brownies up there, ate a little bit of sprinkles and just like vanilla, strawberry, chocolate. I mean, throwing whatever's up there. So huge fan. Also, Pinkberry. I was a fan mm. of Pinkberry back when we used to have them. I think there was one over in Phillips Place, and it's since not there anymore, like a lot of places over in Phillips Place. But, yeah, big fan of TCBY as well. I was wherever big, Nikki's at, I guess i got to go check that out next. Yeah, yeah, I was a big Pinkberry guy too. I like how they put a little topping at the bottom of your cone, so it's like like a little extra yeah. bonus topping. You can put anything you want down there, whatever you want. It's like those little mini drumsticks that have the chocolate drop at the very bottom. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. It was also like a little bit more fancy compared to like Sweet Frog and TCBY because it was like from California. So like the celebrities used to go to Pinkberry and they came here to like little old Charlotte. It's like, oh, okay. I can have the same Froyo as Jennifer Aniston now. Big fan of that. (laughs) Yeah. What's your, what's your limit on tastes? Um, If you're, so I think, I feel like this is a two separate question. If you're at one of those pump your own Froyo places, 
how many little cups do you feel comfortable tasting with? And then if you're at a, an ice cream parlor where they have to scoop it for you, how many tastes do you feel comfortable asking for? Oh, well, back when I was 18 and spending like the entire summer, like 2011 going to Froyo places, my taste limit was like seven. Like I yeah. was getting as many as I wanted. Good I, I was going to buy something. Like I've never gone in there and not actually bought something. So I'd probably get four or five just to make sure I like the flavor, especially if they don't have something I'm looking for. But cream, I think, you know, maybe two spoons. They can give me two of those spoons, like a little taster. But I typically already know what I'm going to get with ice cream since I'm like a one flavor guy when it just comes to straight up ice cream. What's your one flavor? Strawberry. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Like no, no chocolate chip, mint chocolate chip, cookie dough. I don't nothing. like, I don't like chocolate ice cream. Oh, I mean, I might dabble into like some peach, but Ooh. yeah, it's really just strawberry. Fruit peach ice, ice cream, cream, one of the few things I will buy on the side of 74. <laughs> yes. That's what I'm talking about. Like some of those, like I used to go up to South Mountain a lot when I was working for the county during summer camp. And we would take them up to South Mountain to go hiking and jump in the waterfall or jump like in the water below the waterfall. Um, and then like we would always stop at some like sideways, like some uh, side road store that had the, per- the best peach ice cream I've ever had. So like fell in love with peach ice cream that summer. Yeah, I, I don't blame you for that. I feel like three tastes is kind of the limit. But that third one, you got to really, you got to explain yourself a little bit. You kind of have to be like, you know what? I need like one more just for like just because i because i've never even heard of rum raisin like i just want to know what that is and i really sound good at all though i'm really thinking about it i'm really thinking about this one it doesn't matter whether you're going to get it or not but you almost have to like sell them on that third taste i i I normally don't do this i'm normally a two taster never but only because your rum raisin looks so good only yeah is that are that point don't you have to like buy three flavors then? Like if you try three of them, like don't you have to go with them? Because like when I go like to TCBY or something like that, if I'm trying seven flavors, like all seven flavors are getting incorporated in some form or fashion. That's you know why what? you I'm, do the routine because I'm gonna you take feel a like you should buy. Yeah, I'm going to take a cone, but I might come back for a pint here in a minute. Once I sit down, let me sit down and finish off this cone. But that last taste, that was really good. I might come back. You're not coming back. I'm not coming back. Yeah, that point. never, never, never. Um, let's, I mean, this might be the best segue, uh, in the history of segues. Speaking of, uh, things that you're unsure about what flavor you want to go with. Um, who do you think is going to be playing quarterback for the Carolina Panthers in week six of the 2021 season? Julian council. Well, I wish you would have said week one, because that would have been a lot easier to try and answer. Yeah. Um, Week one's the easy question. Week one is the strawberry or peach. Week six (laughs) is that third taste. Week six. I'm still going to go, unfortunately, for a majority of the fans out there, at least the ones that are vocal on social media. I'm going to say Teddy Bridgewater, just considering his contract going in next year, was it $23 million he's owed? His final year of that deal. So I was, it was always set up for Teddy Bridgewater to come in, potentially be the guy, if not the guy, become a bridge quarterback to the next guy. And seeing the Panthers are sitting there at eight, and all the mock drafts that I've seen that haven't taken Trey Lance – and other quarterbacks. I, I think it's probably Teddy week six. I don't think the Panthers are going to be in a situation they bring in a rookie quarterback where they really need to throw the guy in there, even in that first half of the season. Now, week 12, will Teddy Bridgewater still be the quarterback? Uh, that really depends on where the team's at. Like, they could pull Brian Flores and go like, hey, we're going to go for a rookie instead of our veteran who's probably a better fit for us right now. But if they want to go ahead and move on, I have no problem with that. So I'm going to say week six, Teddy Bridgewater, Carolina Panthers starting quarterback, much to the chagrin to a lot of people here in Charlotte. 
I want to warn guys... people, we're going to be talking a lot about quarterback today because we're, what, a month after the season ends. We're six weeks before the um, – six weeks before free agency. The Senior Bowl is happening, like, right now as we speak. Um, and so we're going to wait until the Senior Bowl is over. But really, honestly, there is no more important question for the Carolina Panthers other than the GM that they hired last week, who we're going to talk about, Scott Fitterer, and then uh, who is going to be playing quarterback, not only next season, but going forward. So that's going to be if – you're, if you're not interested in talking about quarterback, um, what's wrong with you? I mean, obviously, that's all, that's all <laughs> Panthers fans want to talk about for the next six months. Um, no, actually, God bless you if you're not interested in talking about quarterback because that's all anyone's wanting to talk about with this team when there's far more needs than just the quarterback alone for this team to actually be competitive moving into next season. We got to put a pin in that one. We got to put a pin <laughs> in that one and come back to that one because do you guys feel like the the the, uh, the triumvirate, and I don't really include Fitter here, but really Rule and Tepper, do you not feel like they've kind of painted themselves into a corner with, with Teddy here? Like you think they're going to bring Teddy back? It, it almost seems like they're talking around him at this point to me. I don't think they've been as blatant about it as maybe Les Snead, the GM for the LA Rams, when they're talking about Jared Goff, like wanting to trade him or bringing in John Wolford. This, I mean, the guy who was playing the AAF last year, who started the last two game, the last two weeks of the season, including the playoffs, um, as being their competition. Like, I don't think they're talking that blatantly about like wanting to move on for Teddy Bridgewater. David Tepper, who it seems always be David Tepper, who kind of comes out there and is the first one to make the move. When he said in that press conference, was it right after the season, back when he um, when they are trying to figure things out about who they're going to hire, and after he got rid of Marty Herney. Yeah, when he got rid of Marty Herney, when he was saying, oh, you need to have that guy who can win the game for you late. And, you know, we don't have and that guy. And then winked into the camera. Yeah, basically. <laughs> he's just like basically saying, we don't have that guy. But you have to have that guy who can go out there and win games for you late. And if you don't have that guy, you have to constantly go pursue him. So just knowing that Tabor Tepper has not been afraid to kind of speak his mind, he backed his organization, his head coach, and the incoming GM to a corner right then and there during that press conference after firing Marty Herney. He set that I just teddy bear on the, fire. Even the, <laughs> even, the, even the comments with Rule, you know, down there at the Senior Bowl, you know, it, you know, he hasn't really – nobody's mentioning Teddy. He's basically persona non grata when it comes to comments about quarterback in the Carolina Panthers when these guys are talking right now. I just think it's interesting. Like, is this the kind of relationship you want to bring a new guy into? Is Because I'm with you that I think it's far more likely that Teddy Bridgewater is, you know, the quarterback at least week one, if not week six. But the way they've talked, it almost feels like they have to move on. And it's you know, weird to me considering that, like, this was his guy he brought in. Like, they could have rode of Cam Newton last season with the what, $20 million, $19 million, whatever it was in that final deal, that final year's deal. That's, of course, pending if Cam Newton wanted to go play and didn't want an extension, and we can kind of go back and forth all day long about whether Cam would have stepped on the field or not. We did see Cam wasn't great this season in New England. A bunch of factors about that, but still. They could have kept Cam, and then this would not really even be a conversation about whether they need to get a new quarterback or not. They would just be getting a new quarterback. So – it's just weird to me how we're sitting here talking about, and Matt Rules, too, is noncommittal about the guy that he brought in, the dude that Evan Cooper, the wide receiver coach for the Panthers, said, hey, you ever the NFL, that's the guy that you want to have, the guy that worked with Joe Brady in New Orleans. Like, that's just really interesting to me that after one season, Rules ready to dump his guy. I mean, because he is his guy. He didn't draft him, but he brought him here, opposed to having the guy who was already the incumbent starting quarterback here in Carolina. So I kind of find it a little fishy that now, after one season, he's ready to move on and he's going to draft the college quarterback. Then who will become his guy? But is it going to be a situation like you see in Chicago, where Ryan Pace strikes off Mike Glennon? 
strikes out with Mitch Trubisky, strikes out with Nick Foles. Oh, hold on. You get one more chance to figure it out. Like, is Matt Rule just going to keep doing his musical chairs of quarterbacks, especially when the owner is saying, if you don't have that elite guy, you got to be in constant pursuit of that? That's just kind of the thing I think about when I'm just listening to Matt Rule's comments. It's just weird me how you brought him in, but yet after one season, you're ready to move on when really he's been a starting quarterback for what? Three seasons in the entire NFL. He's still a young guy at 28. I just, I don't know. It's interesting to me. Yeah, I'm I'm curious whether or not um, some of the uh, some of the some of the talk about Teddy Bridgewater being um, Matt Rule and Joe Brady's guy was a little bit of revisionist history once he was already signed. I, and I don't know this for a fact. I'm certainly not like reporting this as sourced information, but it's like once he's on the team, you're not going to like if he's he's been signed now to a three year, sixty million dollar deal, whatever. It's only two years. Who cares? He's the starting quarterback effectively March 25th or whatever day they signed him he was the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers if you're Matt Rule you can't really say well like I kind of wanted Cam to stay but whatever Teddy's here now like you have to kind of you have to back your guy and I do think that they really did think that here is a guy that can come in and can be a franchise quarterback and if he's not a franchise quarterback the, the deal is structured as such that we can move on from him fairly easily. And I've said it on this podcast. I've said it everywhere that anywhere where someone will listen to me, Teddy Bridgewater is not being paid like one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Teddy Bridgewater is getting paid like a mid-tier, maybe even a lower tier to mid-tier starting quarterback. He's getting paid $21 million a year. That is the lowest cap figure for any veteran starting quarterback aside from Cam Newton in 2020. So it's not like he, he's getting paid with the Aaron. It's not like you're paying Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, uh, and Matt Stafford, and then Teddy Bridgewater, like the fifth. I mean, he's making the his salary cap is like the 20th highest among quarterbacks. Like, yeah. okay, is he the 20th best starting quarterback? Maybe. But I, I, I just – I don't disagree with you guys. I think he's going to be here next year. But it is interesting the way you phrased it, painting yourself into a corner, painting themselves into a corner in terms of they, they – are setting themselves up where if the quarterback room is Teddy Bridgewater, PJ Walker, and Will Greer next year, and Tommy Stevens, of course, quarterback of the future, um, uh, then then fans are going to revolt, essentially. And so they've kind of painted themselves into a corner where you have to bring in somebody, and if it isn't a rookie quarterback with the eighth pick or maybe even the second-round pick, do you, have, do you feel like you have to go out and say, okay, well, i got to go out and get Matt Stafford, even though – He's 32 years old. He probably improves the team, but does he put us in a better position? Does he put the team in a better position to win in 2024 than they would with Teddy Bridgewater or a rookie quarterback or someone else? I want to talk about the specific quarterbacks in just a second, but I think there's actually two dynamics here at play. And one is that, you know, we've said it before, or I've said it before, that I think David Tepper has the quarterback fever. On the other hand, I think specifically within Rule and Teddy, Remember, if there's that play right before the two-minute warning where they told him, don't call a play, he called a play, he did some things. Like, I feel like there may be like a trust there between Rule and Teddy. So I think it's both things are combining here. And I really think they're they're going to get themselves squeezed and real quick, Josh, because like Sean Watson. Sorry. No, no, exactly like this. It's, okay. it's exactly like GameStop because – what I think is going to happen is, you know, Deshaun Watson, pie in the sky, 25-year-old, you know, just signed a contract in September. Would you guys say it's a 25% chance he ends up in Carolina? That he even gets moved? 
So like that can't be the grand plan, right? If we, if no one's willing to commit that it's even a, a coin flips chance of happening. So you take him off the board. It sounds like Stafford's going to go to Indy. There's some real uh, connections there between Detroit and Indy. And I think Indy will at least have the opportunity to match anybody, which means that if you're going to beat Indy, now we're talking about dramatically overpaying for GameStop. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Like, I think when you talk with, you bring up the back in the corner thing. Like, I don't know if it's so much Matt Rule, if it's like you talk about the owner, David Tepper, having quarterback fever. Like, he's been known to meddle already in his short three years as the owner of the Carolina Panthers. Ron Rivera, when he brought him back, Ron Rivera had to run a 3-4 and be the guy calling the plays. Ron was not a 3-4 guy. He hadn't been since he was with North Turner about, what, 12 years earlier in San Diego. And in the final year where he's trying to basically keep and save his job, he has to change because the owner says, this is what we should do. Like, I think I like you calling the plays more. I like you running this certain scheme. Like, I don't like the whole meddling thing. Like, I appreciate that he's gone out here and he's gotten his head coach, Matt Rule, and signed him to a deal that he thought was fair. And he's found his GM and Scott Fitter, and he signed him to a deal that he thinks is fair, that they have this alignment of 23 of them. That's all well and good. I just don't really necessarily need to hear the owner speaking about like, we need to get a quarterback and like this guy that we have here, basically not even saying it, but really saying it, the guy we have here currently is not going to get the job done. So when you're Matt rule and you hear that your owner is basically telling you, you need to go get somebody else's off season. Do you really have a choice? I don't, I don't think so. Cause he's then, cause it, it falls back on you. If you don't get that guy, and you're bad next season. I'm not saying anyone's going to get fired, but it's not going to be great for the relationship moving forward when he's like, oh, well, I was right. You guys should get another quarterback. Instead, we wasted another season, and I'm four years into this without even sniffing the playoffs. Uh, yeah, two things to say about the, the David Tepper relationship to football. First of all, um, David Tepper's on the sideline at the Senior Bowl right now. Um, like, as we speak during this, during, during this podcast recording, he is on the sideline uh, of the practice at the Senior Bowl theoretically talking to Matt, maybe he's just down there because it's cool. They're on ESPN, whatever. I have a feeling that's not why I have a feeling he's going to have some opinions on some of these players. Um, and also you can't only, I know that there has been a little bit of a move or a push towards judging David Tepper because of Matt rule and Scott Fitterer now are his guys. And so he's got his guys in and now whatever he's doing, whatever happens going forward is like, this is on David Tepper. Ultimately it was on David Tepper that he kept Marty Herney here last off season too, that he yes, had an 100%. opportunity to move on from Marty Herney. So all of those decisions that Marty Herney um, made last year, he are also under David Tepper's uh, regime. You have to, you have to give him either the credit or the blame for those moves. You can give him the credit for signing Robbie Anderson. You can also give him the blame for the way that they kind of bungled the Cam Newton release situation. And also for, just kind of the way that the roster was handled this year. Um, so it's one of those things where, yes, he does have his guys in there, and I will be interested to see how they how they maneuver going forward because I do think that um, it was always – this was always what we were going to get to. New quarterback, new GM, new head coach, new owner. And now we will have all four, but one of those is probably not going to be here in a couple of years but was still handpicked by that new owner. So it's it kind of like now he doesn't fit, which is interesting because before it was like Marty Herney didn't fit in with the new coach and the new owner. Now there's a new owner, new GM, new, new head coach, but there's now a different, an old quarterback. 
So now you have to get the new quarterback in to align with these other three guys. So it's just interesting to see how they move forward from this, which I think ultimately will end up with them drafting a quarterback in the first round this year. Julian used a term that we often use with owners, but I think we have to retire it. It's not meddling. He, he is a participant. He is participating in the administration of this team. Yeah, no, you're right. He absolutely is. He bought and the team. Like, why yeah, not? Why I wouldn't mean, he? I know I would. Was it That's fine, point? but let's just acknowledge it. Let's let, we can say that what it is too. You know. No, I mean I like the I like you saying that more. He's a participant. Like it's two point two seven billion dollars liquid this man put into this team. So yeah, if I was in a situation where I owned a team and I spent that kind of money, I'd probably be an active participant too. And like, hey. I want to win. I want you to get this guy or do that. But you also have to allow people to do their jobs, which I think he's going to do. Like the business side of things, I think they're well, they're going to be good at that when it comes to the Panthers, comes to the MLS team, whenever they start playing. It's just the on the field staffing part of it, the personnel. I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit here and wait and see what happens because I do have my concerns after what I've already seen in a short period of time. But again, he's, he's new to this, so maybe eventually he will learn to back away and not be as much of an active participant. But we'll see. Because right now, track record is that he likes to put in his input and a team under his watch has been terrible for three straight seasons. And I guess I, he's a break for this past season. We're, we're looking back. This could be one of the biggest mistakes this organization ends up making. I mean, because again, you're going to overpay for Deshaun. I think you overpaid for Stafford. If you sit at eight now with the Lions and Stafford on the move, do you get one of those one of those rookies, or do you now have to pay to move up? Because I think you're going to have to pay to move up, and I don't think I don't think they're inclined to pay to move up. But then all of a sudden, okay, no Watson, no Stafford, Rogers. He's okay. He's standing in Green Bay. All of a sudden, you're looking at Jared Goff and Mitch Trubisky. Like, bring Mitch home. Let's start the hashtag right now. But that's Bring not, that's, back not to that's not scratching Tepper's itch though. That's the thing. Here's the thing about those two guys. What are they? Pick one overall, Jared Goff. Pick two, Mitch Trubisky. Like everyone's talking about how the you know, Bears moved up to get him, which is stupid. They could have got him at three. But everyone's talking about how you got to be in the top five to get a quarterback. Like okay, I, I, look, I'm wearing Carolina shirt right now. Mitch Trubisky was great that year in Carolina. It's probably had the best single season quarterback season in Carolina history, other than Marquise Williams at that point in time. And then Sam Howell comes along. So he was good that year. But then I ever think that guy's going to get the first quarterback taken in the same conference where Lamar Jackson won the Heisman and Sean Watson, who really was the best player in college football, won a national championship. Like, that was asinine to me. Like, Jared Goff, he was fine at Cal, but it was air raid. Didn't really know how to translate. He's been fine when he's kind of listening to everything Sean McVay's done, but he's not a number one pick kind of dude. I just want to look at the quarterbacks there. Like, obviously, you're not getting Trevor Lawrence. Um, then number two, like Wilson, I don't know. He's a dude that no one had heard about going into going to the season. And then all of a sudden he's now QB two over Justin Fields to coming out of high school in Georgia in that same area of the state as Trevor Lawrence was considered just like Trevor Lawrence, like a transcendent generational talent. And he's shown that he's pretty damn good against power five competition, by the way, not against a bunch of random schools out the out West in a Pac-12 that's not very good, that BYU and Zach Wilson's facing his two years as a starter. And then what, Trey Lance, who's played 17 games, none of them against an FBS opponent. I'm not saying power five opponent. I'm saying FBS opponent. And you want to potentially sit back at eight. Like, if anything, they need to go up and get fields 
or Wilson, if those are going to be the guys right behind Lawrence, when there's already apparently a pretty sizable gap between Lawrence and the rest of these guys. So I don't know. Like, I would rather them go sell the farm and get Deshaun Watson over any quarterback in the draft. That's even Trevor Lawrence because Deshaun Watson is a known commodity. Everyone thinks Trevor Lawrence to be a great quarterback. I, I believe the same thing. We've yet to see him play on Sunday. So until you strap it up on Sunday and you go up against the big boys, you have no idea how good these guys are going to be. He could be great. He could be terrible. It, it, both of the scenarios could happen. And with the other guys, I'm just not willing to, to really believe in them, especially if they're going to sit out at eight and get Lance. There's no way I'm, 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 in, I'm on board with that. First of all, um, how dare you dishonor the memory of the quarterback combination of Darian Durant and Ronald Curry. Um, that is clearly the best quarterback season in the history of North Carolina by, by a long shot. Um, they I thought you were going to defend Lauren. So they were good. They were good that year. I mean, Bill still like what, eight and five. <laughs> yeah, that was the, that was the peppers was there. It was there that year. Right. Or am I, or am I, Yeah, it would have been, it would have been 2001. Yeah. I do the we remember going to the peach bowl win against Auburn that year. Yeah. I was at that. I was at that peach bowl and then uh drunkenly stumbled out of the, um, uh, whatever stadium it was. Um, and, uh, I heard a I heard a band playing right before on New Year's Eve, and I was like, "Oh, this is a good cover band. Um, they're playing uh, they're playing um, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Nope, wasn't a cover band. It was Three Dog Night. Three Dog Night themselves were playing, uh, which I did not realize. Um, that was fun, fun night. Anyway, uh, that's that's called story time with Josh. Uh, I think that I Julian, I completely agree with you. I think that. If you if you're if the move is if you think you need to trade up for one of these quarterbacks, I'm personally of the opinion, add one more first round pick or add Christian McCaffrey or whatever else you need to add on and go and get Sean Watson instead of trading up to go and get Justin Fields. Um, this guy is a proven commodity. I said it last week. Personally. I don't know enough about these quarterbacks to have a great opinion on them. I, I think that. I have a general opinion on them. I think I know what I, but sometimes I like to trust um, the draft kind of gurus a little bit more at this point, at this stage until for the next couple months. Um, we had Matt Miller on this show last week. He said that he liked Zach Wilson as the second best quarterback. Thought he would, could had the chance to be like a Kyler, a short, a taller Kyler Murray. Um, personally, that sounds pretty good. So if you're going to go up and get somebody like that, okay. But you have to go up and get that specific guy, not go up and get the third best quarterback in the draft, not go up and say, well, whatever, we'll take whoever the Jets don't take. That's who we'll take at three. Like if you want somebody, go up and get Justin Fields, go up and get Zach Wilson, go up and get your guy. I, I definitely agree with you, though. If you want Trey Lance, it's either eight or, um, or you know, maybe even trading back. So I, I think, it, you know, the other part of this that's important to remember is that we are not alone in this quarterback hunt. You know, as Schefter said, there's 10 quarterback positions locked down for next year. So that's two-thirds of the league are going to be looking. And if we're, if we're already boiling it down, you know, to, to Deshaun Watson and, you know, and then one of the rookies, we've made it known, they've made it known that they're one of the teams that you would need to trade in front of to get a quarterback. So I, 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 I'm with you guys. Either pony up because I've been a guy that's been bullish on this team saying that they're closer. People still think the roster needs a little bit more time to groom. So maybe you're in a position to give a little bit more draft capital to go up there and get Deshaun Watson. Because otherwise you're going to be giving up draft capital to, go, to get one of these rookies. Or you're looking at an option like Teddy or maybe 
um, you know, trading back in the first round to, to get Mac, um, Mac Jones, trading back in to the back end of the first round, maybe? Man, and the Mac Jones thing, I was thinking about this when I saw my podcast last week. Like, with the whole senior bowl, he's the top quarterback there, at least the guy that people were going and watching, who could potentially be a first-rounder, obviously a Heisman Trophy finalist, national champion at Alabama. And just knowing Scott Fitterer and what Seattle's done, typically trading back, and we're usually out of the first round, it could potentially make sense for the team to add assets if they like him that much this week. Uh, and wasn't it – I mean, did it – was it today? Well, not, I don't know. Actually, I'm not going to say that. But I'm just curious to hear what Matt Rule says down in Mobile when it comes to – Mac Jones like if he likes him his preparation if he thinks that's the right guy then I could kind of get on board with that but just still that's probably what the fifth sixth best quarterback in his draft coming up here and then that's going to be the guy to lead you in the future like they get to Sean Watson I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team next year but like there's at least expectation that they can be right there in the wild card hunt especially now that they have that extra team moving forward past the season I just any of the other guys Lance who knows Wilson like, I've said this about the Jets. Like, Sam Darnold was that dude coming out of USC. Uh, why would you think Zach Wilson, who played at lesser competition and at BYU? And BYU's had great quarterbacks in history and they've been a quarterback school. But what makes you think be any better than Sam Darnold? It's a situation you're putting him in, not necessarily the quarterback. And then Justin Fields, like, he has some grooming still. But, I mean, do I believe that he's going to uh, instantly be that guy who's going to lead you there? When you bring up the whole, like, Matt Miller saying that Kyle, like he, Zach Wilson will be a taller Kyler Murray. Are we even sure Kyler Murray is all that good? Like he's, he's not the best quarterback in that, dis, in that division. He's never going to be better than Russell West, what, uh, Wilson. Like that's not going to happen. I don't see a scenario where it happens until like Russell, he gets like up to like 38. But he's not going to be better than him. Uh, San Francisco doesn't have a quarterback. Neither is the Rams right now. So I don't know. It's interesting when, you, when they have that comparison. I just – I would rather go get a veteran than sit here and draft any of these rookie quarterbacks and just hope and pray that they're going to be the right guy. And that, not Matt Stafford either. No, sorry. Go draft a rookie quarterback, get Deshaun, then like – get Deshaun, draft a rookie quarterback, then like Matt Stafford like all the way at the bottom. I really feel like your options are going to end up being overpaid for Deshaun Watson if he even gets moved. You sit, I sit there at eight and hope a quarter, one of those four gets to me. And if, if you like him, then great and take him. If it's Kyle Pitts, then it's Kyle Pitts. And beyond that, you get into – you're going to be getting a reclamation project or Teddy. Those are the options that are left. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a, a golf, a Mitch, a, a, you know, somebody like that that you're bringing that they think they can fix, or it's going to be Teddy. I mean, this is this is this this is going to happen real quick. They've talked all this talk, but they're going to have to pay, I think, to get something that's satisfy, you know, with a, with a new car smell, uh, what David Tepper wants, and that is why I think this could be a, an offseason of a massive mistake for a new owner. Maybe well, it won't play out that way, but it could be. I also think that there is a um, there's this weird thing that is happening nowadays, and obviously I think it's because of the loud minority on um, social media that we're kind of in that echo chamber a lot. Is that all of these deals are um, they are they are huge ripoffs for one team. One team gets fleeced, and the other team is, is a is a rube. You know, the other team, oh, my God, oh, I can't believe you gave up three first-rounders for Deshaun Watson. I can't believe you got Deshaun Watson for only two first-rounders and Christian McKenna. Like, whatever it is, it can't just be a, hey, this was a pretty good deal. Like, hey, I, I feel like this, this worked out for both teams. Because I do ultimately feel like whatever the Panthers trade 
for Deshaun Watson. Or, you know, theoretically, if there are, there's always some other quarterback that you don't know is on the block um, and you go out and get. Deshaun, obviously, I think is the prize. But um, whatever you trade for him is, barring some sort of ACL or huge injury, he's going to, uh, he's going to outplay whatever it is, whether it's two first rounders, whether it's Trish McCaffrey, whether it's all of those things put together. Um, I, I think that he is ultimately going to do it. Um, I, I guess I, I'd be curious, Julian, what are your thoughts on Scott Fitterer as a whole? I, I, do you feel like, obviously you said, wait and see, do you think that has to apply uh, to Fitterer and, uh, and what do you think he's going to be doing going forward? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like, just quick thought on Watson, too. Like, if he plays at the level you want him to play, all those first-round picks that uh, Houston's getting would be, like, late first round. So it wouldn't even be that big of a deal. Um, I guess the way I, the way I look at it is with Fitterer, it's kind of the wait-and-see thing. Like, I like the idea of trying to trade back and acquiring assets. It's just really the only thing that's important to me is that him and Matt Rohr are on the same page, and I guess even David Tepper, since he's going to be active, active, an active participant in whatever they do team-building-wise. I just I don't have any great thoughts of, over that because it's just a GM. It's really hard when you have some of these guys who've been in these scouting departments and who worked on these GMs to really understand kind of what exactly that they've done. Like, yes, they've been instrumental in some of these deals and, like, looking at and drafting some of these guys. I like the fact that – He's a scout. He's a college scout. Formerly, that's really where he, you know, earned his keep and got to this point in his career. So the fact that he's down there at the Senior Bowl, he's in his natural environment, looking around, trying to look at some of these guys more so than having gone out and got more of an analytics guy who's kind of just dealing with, you know, what you see on the computer and through via film. Like I want a guy who's who can be boots on the ground. So as long as him and Rule are on the same page and they can have that similar relationship that John Snyder excuse me, the Seahawks GM and Pete Carroll, the Seahawks head coach have. And I thought it was interesting that they, it was said that Matt Rule is going to have the final say, but as long as that they have a, a symbiotic relationship, it's more of a marriage, then I'm cool with him. But we'll wait and see. Because it's just really hard for me to sit here and like say, yeah, great hire, bad hire, until I see what he does this offseason and what the team looks like in what, two or three years. I agree with you. I think that every GM is a great hire until they make a bunch of bad moves and then they're not a great hire. So I, I think it, it wait and see, we don't really live in that kind of generation. It's hard to wait and see um, rather than have hot takes immediately. So I, I think that's the, the right attitude to have. So I, I want to ask you about the, the valuation here, quarterback Julian at the very beginning, I, you know, you, you mentioned this team has more holes than just quarterback to fill. So that, Ooh, that wait, 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 Colin, Colin, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Before we move on from quarterback, I wanted to play a well, quick not, game. I know we usually move, we usually play a game at the end. Um, so Adam Schefter had this tweet, uh, that said, just like you referenced already, 10 quarterbacks locked into starting jobs. And then he had a list of 18 quarterbacks that are going to be available. And I wanted to play a game where we could maybe rank them. Um, maybe you could give your top three of who you like the best. And then also where you might see these guys end up. So I'll give you all 18 right now. And you give me your favorite three um, right off the bat. Our uh, favorite three for the Panthers? Or for, yeah, for, just, the, just for favorite, the Panthers. Our favorite three. For the Panthers. These guys we like. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Favorite three for the Panthers. So here are the 18 quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, Mitchell Trubisky, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith, and Ben Roethlisberger. Of those, I feel like Deshaun is probably going to be on all of our lists, right? Mm -hmm. If we're going to do a top three. One. Yeah, Deshaun, number one, no doubt about it. The youth, I mean, even the contract's basically the same contract as Carson Wentz, and Wentz is like, is he going to be salvageable in Philadelphia? 
I mean, I feel like the Eagles are going to keep him, but I mean, Wentz, Watson, of course. Um, number two, Dak Prescott, absolutely. I think that dude's a stud. I don't understand why Jerry doesn't want to pay him. I, mean, I, I think the Cowboys can win big with him, but the problem is that Jerry Jones is the problem, the reason the Cowboys don't usually win. Um, and then the third, and it's tough for me to say, like, it's, it would be Aaron Rodgers, even though the age is kind of one of those things that's concerning. But when you look at what Tampa Bay has been able to do this one season of Tom Brady going to the Super Bowl, it, it, they had the weapons around them. And I think the Panthers at least – talent-wise and skill positions have the weapons around whoever comes here to win. Problem is the offensive line's garbage, and we don't know who's going to be on the offensive line next year. So I would have Watson, Prescott, Rodgers. Prescott's a really interesting name. It's like this wild card name. Because if Tepper really wanted to make a splash, that, that, that's, actually the one, that's actually a really big one to make. You don't have to give up any so, assets either. That's just, you know, that's, it's interesting. It's an interesting name. I feel like it's percentage chance of happening is probably slightly less than Deshaun's, which we already have ranked pretty low, but man, that's a big old splash. Unless I don't know, Josh, do you think it's a higher chance that 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 comes here than? No, I think it's one of those. It was one of those where I I think I said it earlier in the podcast is like, there's always kind of a name that comes out of nowhere that like at 10 AM, you see a rap sheet tweet that says like, you know, we thought that Derek, Dak Prescott was a lock to come back to Dallas, but I'm hearing that he's having conversations uh, maybe in Carolina. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, eight hours later, he's playing somewhere else. So um, that would be the guy who I think would be the wild card, just like you said, um, out of this whole list uh, of guys. Okay. Well, I'm going to acknowledge that that I probably, you know, just for the wild card factor, should include Dak in my list. But I did, I did not, as you read it. Number two for me is actually Matthew Stafford because – like I said, if, if you end up sitting there at eight and you don't get a quarterback and you're, you don't think you're going to get a quarterback and I'm trying to figure out how – or maybe Deshaun doesn't move, I, I you know, I guess I can talk myself into because I think he's the best quarterback you could possibly get, um, you know, before we you start talking about reclamation projects. Um, and then the, I guess for number three for me would be, would be one of those reclamation projects. Um, and we don't know if he'll be available, but I would actually roll the dice on Sam Darnold, I think, of the, of the guys that you would classify as reclamation projects. Um, where would you rank tr- quarterback that you traded up for and quarterback that you selected with the eighth pick? And I guess quarterback that you selected in the second or third round in terms of the, would any of those guys crack your top three? Like would you rather have one of those with, with all the contract that goes with it? then say Julian, then say Aaron Rodgers or, or Dak. Yeah. There's not a single quarterback in this draft. I'd want over Dak Prescott or, I mean, an Aaron Rodgers, yeah, of course not Aaron Rodgers. Sure. Yeah. Need be fed. <laughs> but like, no, I know, that. but it's, it's just kind of like a thought exercise. I understand. Like the, the just idea in case that you want to discredit yourself. Completely. No, I mean, I am. That's like, the pull <laughs> quote that we'll take and we'll use. Julian council says he prefers Trey Lance to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> no, I'm I'm pretty firm. Like, if this team really wants to, like, immediately get better next year, then, like, the only quarterback that's going to do that, in my mind, is a guy like Deshaun Watson or, like, Dak Prescott, if he's available. I mean, they, they would get better with Matthew Stafford, even though I believe long-term they're winning as much with Matthew Stafford as they would win with Teddy Bridgewater, which is nothing. Maybe a division, but you're not going to the damn Super Bowl. You're not winning it, for sure. I mean, look <laughs> – Hell, we've seen lesser quarterbacks go to the Super Bowl and, and who've won it. Like, I mean, Nick Foles, he had one of the greatest games of all time as a guy who just never would have thought in that, that moment in time. Like, Jake DeLone was great here in Carolina. Great, not great, but he was good here in Carolina for a, a, a good period of time. He went to a damn Super Bowl, but he also had a lot around him, and it wasn't necessarily all Jake DeLone. 
So that's why I, I think there's legitimate. I think there's legitimacy to that, though. Say again. There's legitimacy to that approach, isn't that? Isn't that the Bills' approach largely? Well, the Bills found out that this year that their guy might be pretty damn good. Now, I thought it was absolutely asinine that people were saying he's on the same old Holmes, who in his first year as a starter won the MVP and was a number one seed in the AFC. Then his second year as a starter, he went to the Super Bowl and became the Super Bowl MVP. And then again this year, he's an MVP candidate. But I'm sorry, Josh Allen had a great season. Stephon Diggs really helped, and Cole Beasley was also an all-pro. So, I mean – it goes hand in hand. He's had a good quarterback, a guy playing really well, and you also had good receivers. But statistically, after the first two seasons we saw with him and his accuracy, I'm going to see this year as more of an anomaly. I have to wait till next season before I'm ready to crown Josh Allen as being like that next dude in the AFC. Because like he's still not better than Deshaun. He's not better than Lamar Jackson, who's uh, won an MVP, by the way. And obviously, he's not even stratosphere and never will be in the same stratosphere galaxy or whatever you want to put it as Patrick Mahomes. Josh, do you have a top three? Yeah. Um, I mean, I could cheat. I could probably put Teddy Bridgewater in my top three because he's probably going to be here and then I win, right? So is that <laughs> that's how the game works. Um, uh, I would also, just just to name somebody that you guys didn't talk about, just so we're not treading over the same boards and talking about Sean Watson for, for 80 minutes today, um, is do you think Jameis Winston is going to get the, ch- the chance to start somewhere? And should he get the chance? And here's a guy that's 27 years old, has already proven that he can throw for over 4,000 yards, certainly made some bad decisions, but there are a lot of young quarterbacks that do that kind of stuff. So if you're looking for a reclamation project, I might rather have Jameis Winston than Mitch Trubisky or, uh, or Sam Darnold. If we're, if we're ranking guys that I would like to bring in on that level, but to me, the way, just, just like what you said at the beginning of the podcast, where, David Tepper and Matt Rule have put themselves. Jameis Winston doesn't do it. Like they can't. That's not going to cut. You can't have Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater and and Tommy Stevens, quarterback of the future, in your quarterback room. Like those can't be the three guys. It has to be somebody else. Uh, that's why I was so I, I was against the Dwayne Haskins signing for multiple reasons. But I always felt like that was going to be a thing where that can't be your other quarter. That can't be your change to the quarterback room. If you're going to spend two months talking about how you need a different quarterback and a quarterback has to be able to get it done in the fourth quarter and we're going to evaluate every position and blah, 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 all the stuff that they've been saying, um, it can't be Jameis Winston. It can't be Mr. Biscay. It can't be, probably can't be, even be Sam Darnold um, and, or Jameis Winston. It has to be somebody on a little bit of an upper tier um, or a rookie. The, that's, that's kind of what I feel. That, that's the corner that I feel like they've painted themselves into. Yeah, I feel like the Jameis thing is kind of in the category of a failed first-round quarterback, like which would be Mitch Trubisky, even though Mitch has gone to the playoffs twice in Chicago, which is kind of miraculous when you think about it, considering how poor he's been in the poor the offensive play calling's been in Chicago with Mac Nagy. Um, I'd also put – I don't know if I'd put Sam Darnold in that category as a failed first-round pick because the situation in New York is just terrible. Like yeah. Woody Johnson, who is now <laughs> yeah. back to being the CEO, was playing ambassador to the UK for Donald Trump for the last couple of years while his, his little brother was running the organization to the ground, which, what, mind you, Woody was doing a great job anyway. So I wouldn't put him in that same category. But yeah, you're right. I don't think he's going to do a lot for people when you get a former field quarterback from a division rival who wasn't even, doesn't even look like he's going to be the guy for another division rival who he sat there with this past season. I just – it doesn't do it. I just don't see that doing it for anybody, especially not for me. Like, I think James can have an opportunity, 
but I would just rather you go draft your rookie quarterback and your guy opposed to like getting a guy who's already been in that situation and didn't work. And I don't think it's the same thing as Bridgewater. Like Bridgewater got hurt. Like that was the reason why he was in Minnesota. Like Jameis just wasn't able to kick career the football. That's why they got rid of him. But he and got if, contacts, if Julian. He's good now. The guy, I mean, he's got the contacts, no more squinting. It's to the moon with this guy. Yeah. I don't think contacts is going to impact all of his dishes. Made. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm curious because like New Orleans, if he doesn't stay, if he doesn't stay in New Orleans, is Peyton, is just Peyton passing on him? If Peyton doesn't want him, give him the, the similarities, the offense that we're running. Does that mean that maybe he's not a great fit for us either? Um, yeah, I'm with you guys. Like, this is this is what I keep going back to. And even when we – to go back to the very beginning, Josh, when you asked about Teddy Bridgewater as the, as the quarterback or, you know, as who's going to be the quarterback, who is telling David Tepper that Teddy Bridgewater is still his quarterback? Like, who's the one that's going to go into his office like, by the way, all that talk, yeah, we're, we're, we're still rolling with Teddy. Like, that's – this is an interesting, I feel like, power struggle right now. Not that it's a struggle, but, like, I really feel like Fitterer – and Rule will be fine with staying at eight and not giving up assets because I think they're going to have to chase. They're going to have to chase because of the quarterback need, you know, whether, whether it's move up or trade to get, you know, Watson or, or, or Stafford. Um, I, I just – I don't know, guys. I, I feel like he's, he's, he's moved on. And Rule and Fitter see that this roster has more holes in it. That's why I say I'd rather stay at eight yes. and, and start trying to plug those other holes. I think you get a Kyle Pitts. He's a special type. He's a special player. He's not just a, he's not just a good tight end. This is a special type dominant, you know, force. And then try and figure out that quarterback, you know, at some other point. But I don't, I don't know if Tepper's going to bite on that. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. And that's kind of what I was getting into earlier in the show. It was just like, there's so many more holes for this roster to get to the point where they can compete. Like when you look at New Orleans the last two seasons, and as much as we hate New Orleans, just look at what they built there, Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton, that entire organization, where they, in the last two seasons, with Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill, have gone eight and one when Drew Brees has not been there. That's not because of the quarterback. That's because of how well built the roster is. Here in Carolina, that's not, they're not in a situation where they can put in, like, I guess, the backup PJ Walker, and they're going to go out there and win a bunch of games. Even though they beat Detroit, but the Lions were a trash football team. They're worse than the Panthers. And I give him credit for going out there and getting the job done, albeit he did throw two red zone interceptions, which is not encouraging. So they're not at that point in time. Like, we look at the offensive line where the only guy that is back under contract goes to starter is Matt Paradis. And are we really all that excited about Matt Paradis as a starting center for the Carolina Panthers heading to next season? Probably not. You're fine with it, but is he the best option out there? I don't know. They don't have a left tackle. Haven't had a left tackle since Jordan Gross retired. They don't have a right tackle because I don't – well, Moten, I doubt he's back here. Only way I can see him being back is if they hold him hostage with the franchise tag, which I hope they don't do. Let the man get paid if you want to pay him yourself. I hope they do. Yeah. Paid for him, but I hope they do. Yeah, no, of course. Like, from the Panthers' <laughs> perspective, absolutely. Yeah, you want him to do it. I just, you know, the players' perspective, I hate the franchise tag. Like, that's just how I am. If I was a GM, I would utilize it all the time, but I hate it. The guard position, we don't know who the guard's going to be. Can, is it going to be Dennis Daly? Is Greg Little going to move inside to become a guard? Is he ever going to figure it out at left tackle? Defensively, you still need, an, you need a three-technique defensive tackle. I would kind of like another pass rusher. You definitely need a middle linebacker, if not another linebacker. If we're just, Are we going to sit here and depend on Jermaine Carter Jr. to be the guy who's going to start there? I and mean, He played well at spurts at the end of the season, but is he really that guy? Then you could probably move Burris back to safety. Long-term, like the corners that you have, is Dante Jackson the top corner? Probably not. Um, is Troy probably going to become good enough to be a number two corner? I don't know. Like Rasul Douglas, definitely not that guy. 
safety too. Like, I mean, trade Boston. He's going to be here for another year, maybe two. But you, you need an upgrade at so many positions. It's just so weird to me. I'm dumbfounded by so many people who sit here and think that the only position that you need an upgrade on in this roster is quarterback. When you have a guy who's good enough to win with, who's proven that when he's had rosters around him that were good, like the one in Minnesota when they won the division in 2015, like the one last year in New Orleans when they went 5-0 and when he was a starter and 5-1 and when he really had to play the bulk of the game. Like, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is great. I don't think you're ever going to win anything with him, but I think you can establish a culture where you can get to, I guess, what, 11-6, and 10-7, win the division, get to the playoffs, and then when the roster's built up, you can bring in the next guy. And I just don't see in the draft any of those guys who you could think would be any better, especially when you bring in the fact that, like, Teddy Bridgewater is the first runner himself. So what's what's to prove that he's going to be any better? And when you look at some of the other current, like, former first-rounders, Darnold, what's his future? Josh Rosen has been all over the place. Like, there's so many guys who – I mean, Jared Goff is number one overall. It's none of it's a guarantee. Like, I'd rather build the rest of this roster up first and then go and trade assets potentially in the future go get a quarterback or go trade and find someone else who's already a known commodity than just sitting there and trading up and trying to pray, hope and pray that that rookie quarterback's going to fix the fact that you don't have a good enough pass rush and that your offensive line sucks. Yeah, the entire reason that we're talking about having to trade up for one of these quarterbacks is because if there are four quarterbacks taken in front of you with the eighth pick, that means there are four quality position players that are dropping down to you. So if somebody like if somebody like Trey Lance or Macaroni Jones or uh, Justin Fields, they hop in front of the eighth pick, that says to me that maybe Panay Sewell, sorry if I mispronounce your name, Panay, if you're listening, um, but uh, Panay Sewell or, or Patrick Sertan or one of Micah Parsons, one of these guys that you don't think is going to be there at eight, Micah Parsons, I think everybody thinks is going to be there at eight, but yeah. one of these guys that you're like, well, there's no way Sewell's still going to be there. He's going to go three to the Bengals. And then all of a sudden the, you know, the, whatever, the, the, um, the, I can't even think of another team, but the, the lions have traded up and then, yeah, yeah. exactly. And then the 49ers have traded into seven and now there's, now there's movement up in front of you. And so all of a sudden now you're staring at a, at a guy that could play left tackle for you for the next 10 years. So if that's the case, I, I think that you, that, that to me makes a lot more sense. And then you say to yourself, Hey man, we're kicking this thing down the road because just like you said, the, the smart thing to do is to do what they said they were going to do last year and two years ago, which is that Rome isn't built in a day. But now all of a sudden, we're, it's been a day, and, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, why, isn't, why, are, why can't I sit in the Coliseum? What's happening? So it's like – he's the. I love it. Like in Fitterer had said, we have a rare opportunity. We don't plan on drafting here very often and moving forward. We have an opportunity to get a player who can be an immediate contributor. And you talked about when you get to that 16 threshold, 16, 17, 18, that's kind of where you exit the like really day one type of dudes. And you enter the dudes that where you make sense to trade back into the same value at 40 as you get at 24. I just like, when I look at that, I would like you said, Panay Sewell. Like I don't think he's go he's going to be a Cincinnati Bengal, in my opinion. That's what's going to happen. But like, do you when you look at him and you look at potentially a Sertan and a Kyle Pitts, like don't all three of those guys feel like bit more guarantees at their position than any of the quarterbacks not named Trevor Lawrence that are expected to go in that top ten? 
I don't like. I don't know. They, they talk in the first ten, but that's just me. Like I, I feel like that's not an important enough position. But yeah, whoa, I understand. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Did I just hear Travis Kelsey is not important? Did I just hear that Travis Kelsey is not important? Did, did I say I hear... Travis Kelsey is not important, or did I say that the the tight end who, by the way, Travis oh, Kelsey so was like, not drafted in the top ten? No, he wasn't. Oh, the last top ten tight end was what? Like Ebron? T- he no, it's TJ Hawkinson went last Hawkinson year. How's he, he doing? Kyle, listen, Kyle Pitts is different. I'm telling you guys, just this is not a, this is not a run-of-the-mill guy. But that's fine. We don't no, have to fight about it. I think he's great. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I think we he's have, more of a sure bet than any of his quarterbacks. Yeah. Right. We have three but months here, to fight about whether or not Kyle Pitts deserves to go with the eighth pick, um, and we will believe me. <laughs> but but let's let's just look at where Fitter is coming from. We have seen what Seattle looks like with a loaded roster, pretty doggone scary, and we've seen what Russ looks like with a pretty barren roster pretty mediocre so I feel like this is the right way to go and that's why I'm worried I think that that it's it's because of Tepper that they may end up chasing it and I think it unless you get somebody of the caliber of Deshaun Watson it really could end up being this this big mistake and the other thing is this team has to be able to get you know Joe you said it pass rush and more importantly stops before the quarterback matters like, you're not going anywhere if your defense isn't getting stops. And right now, we saw most of this past year. It was Brian Burns and nobody else. And I know that there's not great answers, you know, potentially in the pass rush at eight. But the point still stands that I don't think that, that this is not a plug-and-play situation for a quarterback. And just like Tepper said, if he would follow his own advice, Josh, like you, you mentioned, follow his own advice, I think that's actually going to be the smarter route because Panther fans are excited about the, 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 the prospect of adding a Stafford or a Watson or one of these young quarterbacks. But I don't think people recognize the price tag that could come with this given the amount of demand for the quarterback position right now in the NFL. Yeah, it also makes me think, too, about how everyone likes to just talk about the stat of Bridgewater and the – I mean, I say Bridgewater and the offense, but usually she's hung up on Bridgewater is 0-8 and drives into the, the game to either tie or win. Well, what happened in the other 58 minutes of the game where the Carolina Panthers were in a position where they're behind and having to go tie the game? Like, it's – we're not talking about they were in the situation where they're up because mo- it was they were behind all season long having to go the length of the field and hope that Teddy Bridgewater and his offense get things done. Sometimes it was his fault. Sometimes it was play calling. If you want to blame week one, sometimes it was the offensive line not really even giving a chance. So they get hung up on that, but no one wants to look at the rest of the football game. It's like we love football in America. It seems like people don't understand at that point in time when you're saying, well, that's the only reason why you didn't win because you didn't score the last part of the game. It's like, what would you do? Like, did you have, what special teams area did you have? What penalties did you have that extended a drive that led to a touchdown? Like, what other parts of the games and facets of the game led to you needing to be bailed out by your offense and hoping that your quarterback is one of those guys who can take you down the field with a minute 45 left, one timeout, and win? That's just kind of what I ask people. Like, look at the rest of the team and the rest of the situation and the whole entirety of it all before just looking at one position and saying, that's the position why we didn't win. Like, if they had a great offensive line, and it had a stellar defense, and it was just, and they still went 0 and 8 in those situations. And yeah, obviously the quarterback needs to change. Like, I think they need an upgrade eventually. I just don't think right now where they're at in this rebuild that it's time to do that. Like, I would like to be patient. Like, I would like for one of the teams in town to be patient instead of just trying to jump the shark after one season and be like, all right, let's go chase it. Even though I guess NFL is a lot different than NBA in terms of actually having the opportunity to win something of sustainable or substantial. I just I, I would rather them just be patient, keep building, and then 
see who there comes down the line. Because there's going to be another Zach Wilson in college football next year who you didn't think about, and they pop up and they become fantastic. You're like, oh, man, is this now the top quarterback in the draft? I think I said this like six months ago. I'd like to throw all my, sp- all my stock into Spencer Rattler. I mean, come on, dude. Rattler jerseys? Those things would fly off the shelves. That is a quarterback's name, too. Like, do you have I mean, to have, come a, on, you have, to have the name? He's from here, and he's down the street in Chapel Hill. That's, I mean, if anything, that's the guy that you should, like, hope you can get if he turns out to be any good. Like, I, I mean, if I'm going to throw out a name of, like, a potential Zach Wilson candidate. Isn't but, like, he going to be, like, a top three pick, though, Sam Howell? I'm, yeah, I'm, honest, I'm, I'm honestly asking. I, I don't know. I, he, well, I don't know. It, he probably is going to be one of Because I don't really know the quarterbacks. Really. Keaton Slowers from USC apparently is supposed to be considered one of the top quarterbacks, which is interesting to me. I like the kid I really like who I think is going to jump up and be very good next year is going to be Jaden Daniels from Arizona State, who's coached by Herm Edwards and a bunch of guys who – like Marvin Lewis is there, a bunch of NFL guys. Like I think that's the kind of guy that you actually would really like who I think is going to make some big noise coming up this fall and could jump up there and be considered first-round talent. Who might be waiting back there, and then you can always trade up. Like Kansas City traded up when they want to get their guy Mahomes. The same thing happened with the Bills who went up and got Josh Allen. You don't have to be in the top five. And when teams typically have been in the top five recently, their quarterbacks have stunk it up. You know, the, the reason I'm, I'm kind of bullish on Mac Jones, and it's not really so much Mac Jones, just kind of the idea of Mac Jones is because I think he, he could be the compromise. I think where you, you get Tepper what he wants in a way – but maybe you can trade in with a, a second and a second next year or something like that. And then, you you know, Tepper and Fitter still kind of get to do what they want to do while also scratching um, that, that QB itch. And then you kind of roll the dice, but it's, it, it's less of a gamble. You know, like you said, Julian, because, you know, with, the, with these guys coming in, it's more of a coin flip or, you know, it's a roll of the dice. Yeah, I mean, I've, getting, getting a Watson's not a gamble at all. Like, you, you know what you're going to get. Just protect him. Like, don't do what Houston's done, where they haven't protected him. I mean, don't do what we did with Cam Newton here in town. Don't do what you did with the Colts, with Andrew Luck, and not protecting the guy and forcing him into retirement. When you have a guy, you protect him, build around him. And, I mean, they should be trying to just build around the guy they have now and then hope to get that next guy. But we'll see what happens. I, I'm a big believer that if you, if you can get a franchise quarterback, you get your franchise quarterback, and you figure the rest out. If there's nobody else on the roster, there's nobody else on the roster. That being said, you have to get the franchise quarterback decision correct because if you get it wrong, you set your quarter, you set your franchise back two, three, four years if you guess wrong on who you think can be the franchise quarterback. If you draft Macaroni Jones in the second round, that's not betting on him to be your franchise quarterback. If you sign Teddy Bridgewater to a two-year deal that's – kind of a three-year deal that's not betting on him to be your franchise quarterback you're not setting your franchise back by guessing wrong on Teddy Bridgewater or Macaroni Jones in the second round if you guess wrong with the eighth pick you are setting your franchise back and if I can allow me to you try this analogy out that I've kind of been workshopping in my head for the whole podcast it's based on current events okay so uh if you're the Panthers you see the stop you see What's happening with GameStop, a.k.a. Deshaun Watson? You say to yourself, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. There's the short squeeze going on. This, this kind of quarterback is not usually available, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a bunch of stock in GameStop, in GameStop. But you know what? You wait a little bit too long. Maybe you make the wrong call. Maybe you sell out too early, and you're like, you know what? Now the stock is too high, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look for another stock that's going up that has that kind of same meme – 
mentality. So I'm going to, I'm going to put all my money into AMC. And now you've got all your money into AMC. Who's kind of a little bit of like, is AMC really going to rebound or, or now we just kind of pumping up the stock of, uh, of, of a guy, maybe a quarterback that plays in Detroit who has been a good quarterback next year, but isn't really going to get you where you want to be. If you're going to invest in GameStop, you're going to, you're investing, you're inflating your retirement account. If you're investing in AMC, eh, you're, I don't know, you're, you're buying yourself uh, a new, a new shower in your bathroom. And then if you can't get either of those stocks, don't end up with BlackBerry. Don't buy Bed Bath & Beyond. Don't buy one of these other stocks that you think are going to go up, but ultimately won't. If you guess wrong on those, you end up in the poorhouse. So if you're going to invest, if you see a situation that you like, go in there and invest, but don't just get caught up with, don't be like, well, everybody's investing right now. I got to get some money in there and, and pick one of the bad stocks. Was that good? Did that make sense? It does make sense. And I'm kind of like, I'm not a big stock market guy in, in finance. But, uh, I spent all day on Wall Street bets today. So I, I know a lot about what's going on in, uh, in short squeeze, gamma squeeze. I know all the, all the terminology. Um, and and I, uh, I enjoyed watching it all day today. But I, I know that Apple stock and Disney stock are usually pretty solid, right? Yep. There <laughs> so, you go. You know, so those are, that's me, your like, left tackle and your... Yeah. Uh, and, and, that's, your, and, that's, and next year's draft Apple. class, next year's quarterback is the bet is, is Apple. Cause you know, it's yeah. going to go up. You yeah, know, everybody that, likes Apple. Well, this I is, like just to stay there, get that guy who I know is going to be more than likely is going to be that dude for me for the next eight to 10 years. And instead of going out and selling big and hoping to like, Hey, this is going to work out. Even though I kind of might want to say to Sean Watson is Apple stuff. <laughs> See, I think the short squeeze comes during the draft because all these mock drafts have come out with these quarterbacks falling out of the top 10. Like, this is an annual tradition. And then, oh, we got closer. Wouldn't you know the quarterbacks moved up and, oh, they moved up again. And then they're right there at the top where the quarterbacks always seem to end up. So I guess we just, we got three months. They'll move up over the course of the next little bit. But if you're all of a sudden sitting there at eight and realizing, oh, we're out of the mix, do you not overpay? Do you pay the, the moon price at a thousand dollars to to get you know to, to roll the dice on Lance or um, or Fields maybe? Well, it depends. Does your owner take over the draft room, a la Dan Snyder? <laughs> no, Dan Snyder's a meddler. He's a meddler. Our guy's not a meddler. He's a participator. He's a participator. <laughs> I love how we were like, I don't know why Jerry Jones doesn't want to pay. It's a good thing there's no owner like that in Carolina that, that's making football decisions. Um, yeah. Uh, that's true. Jerry Jones is somehow the more rational one in this all of a sudden. <laughs> I mean, at least he's been around football like his entire life. So, I mean, I'll give him that. And, like, the Cowboys, hey, hell, they were still in the division race week 17 with Andy Belton playing quarterback. So, that wasn't a bad move bringing in Andy Belton. But, yeah, no, I'm not going to give him too much. Right? Like, they're still – a wildly underachieving fan or franchise with an insane fan base. Julian, the, the Panthers coaching staff is down there with, um, uh, with the senior bowl and Joe Brady is not there. Um, you obviously, you know, just like everybody else does, Joe Brady was interviewed with five different head coaching five, five different head coaching spots. Do you think that there was a bit of a, there was a little bit of like, um, a movement on social media of people being upset that Brady had interviewed so much and that maybe it was going to be a distraction that he had one foot out the door. Do you, do you, 
put anything to that? Or do you kind of feel like this is what happens in the NFL? You go out there and you interview. This is football, man. Like when we talk, like think about college all the time when people get mad at these players transferring. Like you get coaches who leave all the time. Like there's one coach, Tracy Rocker, who was just out of South Carolina, went to go take the Auburn job. He was at Auburn for two weeks and now he's going to go to the Philadelphia Eagles. Like I don't think it matters. This is what kind of the coaching profession is. Like Joe Brady was a dude who what, three years ago was on the Saints staff. I mean, not three years ago, a year ago, basically, two years ago, was on the Saints staff. Then he goes to LSU. When he was the Saints staff, he was just like an analyst. He wasn't even like a, mm-hmm. a big time guy. He wasn't a position coach. Then he goes to LSU. Then after one year, he's here. That's just kind of how it works. And I thought we were all with the understanding once he got hired last year, which is what Panthers fans wanted because he was a hot name, that he was only going to probably be here for a year, maybe two. And like I was sitting here just hoping with the NFL that they would at least have some damn sense and not hire him after one season when he's this is the only yeah. time he's ever been a, a play caller, not didn't call plays in middle school or high school or in college, even though he did help out Steven Zminger and setting up that offense. And he did have some play calling. Like he did have some uh, a say in it. Well, this is the first time where this was his offense, no doubt about it. So I don't really understand why anyone would be upset. I think people should be happy. The fact that you have a chance to have some sort of continuity heading into the next season and then hoping that COVID, as, as the vaccine rollout comes, we're actually going to be able to have these guys be around each other enough in the offseason to what they didn't have last year. Like, think about it. This season, he had – no Christian McCaffrey didn't really even play this season. He had a new quarterback who was starting for the first time as a full-time starter since 2015. And he had two 1,000-yard receivers, another guy who had 1,000 yards from scrimmage in Curtis Daniel, and a backup running back who had 1,000 yards from scrimmage. And they didn't have any – they didn't see each other the entire offseason. Off and now you're talking about you get McCaffrey back. And then if the, sweet Jesus, if, the, if they can get Deshaun Watson, like wouldn't you be <laughs> freaking excited that Joe Brady's here for at least one more year so you don't have to worry about hoping that the running backs coach is going to be the, good enough to be their next offensive coordinator? Like you want to have your best guys for as long as you can. And if that's only for a season or two, then so be it. It's all. It's not just about evaluating players. It's evaluating the guys on your staff and seeing what guys out there can come in and can help you elevate your roster. So I don't think the Panthers fans should be upset about Joe Brady at all. They should be celebrating. We dodged the bullet. Yeah, Matt Rule said something specifically. He said, I can't wait to see what Joe Brady can do with this offense when he doesn't have to install it via Zoom. And yeah. it's like, yeah, like that's totally true. I will be honest, like I, I've, I've been on your podcast, The 704. We recorded it in person. That was ostensibly probably a better podcast than this one because we're doing it via Zoom. This one, we're like talking over each other. You got my, my crappy stuff in the background. My, my dog is barking. There's all kinds of stuff happening. Like Zoom is not the, the, way, the perfect way to do things, no matter how much uh, we want. And also, I know Colin is probably pretty insulted by that. Uh, by that. <laughs> I could I go. I could leave. <laughs> Make this podcast better. Look, I just love technology, the fact that we can still do this without being in the same room. It is really nice. I'm I'm not even wearing pants, so that's the advantage for me. Disadvantage for you guys. Speaking speaking of technology, the the picture of David Tepper on the sideline at the Senior Bowl just scrolled by my my feed. He's not out there looking for offensive tackles. Of course not. I mean, come on. Like, it seems like it's not that common, right, that – that an owner's out there. I feel like sometimes you'll see it with like the, when they have the number one pick and, you know, he comes to town for the workout and maybe they'll show face, but at the senior bowl, 
Does the man have like a midlife crisis? He's out here like trying to buy a Ferrari. Is, is, you know, I brought it up. Is he's either hunting for a quarterback or friends, Josh? We got to figure out. <laughs> he may just need a buddy. Well, he just needs somebody to hang out with. Because if man, he's going to Mobile, COVID Alabama, stuff, man. looking for a good time, like that's a I don't know. That's if a cry for help. Should we phrase? Should we phrase it differently? Are we still doing phrasing? Because <laughs> if you're going to Mobile, Alabama, looking for a good time, you're you're finding more than Reese's Senior Bowls down there. Um, isn't, don't they have a pretty good Mardi Gras down there, Mobile? Do they? I, I, I feel like I heard that somewhere. Made a, I might have just made it up, but I'm pretty sure I'm, it's like right there in the Gulf that they do have a pretty good Mardi Gras. I don't think I know any Alabama like, Chamber of Commerce nuggets like that. <laughs> is Gulf Shoal, Gulf, uh, Gulf, Gulf Shore, Gulf Shore, Alabama? Is that in Gulf Alabama? Shoals. Gulf Shoals. Gulf, is that in Alabama? Yeah. I've heard Gulf that's really Shore. nice too. Gulf Shore, yeah. Gulf Shoals. Yeah, Mardi know. Gras apparently. Yeah, they have a huge Mardi Gras down there. It's the oldest. In, well, hold on. Yeah, Mardi Gras is the annual carnival celebration in Mobile, Alabama. It's the oldest annual carnival celebration in the United States. Wow. Uh, guys, let's, let's make a promise. New Orleans, you're on notice. Mobile has a bigger Mardi Gras, apparently. <laughs> they did it first. You guys are late. David Tepper's down there looking for a good time in Mobile. <laughs> um, let's make a promise to each other, guys. All three of us, Mobile, Alabama, Mardi Gras 2022. We're ha- it's happening. <laughs> We're going to get down there. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be on a float, throw the beads. Um, let's do a quick Hornets Look. Corner, Julian, since we got you here, because I know that you're, uh, you've, you've got some – we have thoughts on the Hornets. I'm sure you have thoughts on the Hornets too. Yeah, sure. Uh, what's um, what's Lebello Ball got to do to get on the start in the starting lineup? Like, what's happening? Because I, I watch it, and I that's that's all I can think about. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm one of the people who's in the camp of like I don't really think it matters all that much whether he's starting right now. Like they played what 15 games so far this season, 17. Like it's in due time, he's going to be the franchise point guard for the Charlotte Hornets. Like, Devonta Graham has started to shoot a little bit better in recent weeks. I don't think it really matters right now. Like, if they get to the point later in the season where they're trying to chase between that 7 and 10 seed, probably more like the 9 or 10, then I think it's time you turn it over to him and see what the guy has. But even then, I don't know if you even need to do that. In, he will be the starting point guard eventually. But right now, they don't need to do that. They have a luxury where they had a guy in Devontae Graham who came out of nowhere last year and had a fantastic season and was a part of the rookie – was in the, the rookie team or the rookie game, whatever that – Rising Stars game, excuse me, and he played really well last year. So I think they're in a good situation where they don't have to force him to be the starter right now, even though I know a lot of people want him to be, and I can understand why. But, like, as long as he's playing starters minutes and then he's out there at the end of ball games like he has been a few times, I think that's the only thing that matters and that he continues to improve. I'm not really hung up on, like, if it's time to start him. I'm certainly not whatever his dad has to say. But I don't – oh, no. Uh, yeah, obviously. Not – not whatever his dad says, I don't really care about. But I just – I don't feel like he's playing starters minutes either. I mean, sometimes he is, obviously. But it's like he, he doesn't – maybe he's not getting the benefit of the doubt to stay out there for those extra three minutes to play through some of these growing pains. There was the game uh, earlier this week or last week where he had five turnovers in the first half and then was just never back in. Um, and I think that if you are going to be a young team, just like with the Carolina Panthers, Carolina Panthers, we knew that they were a young team. Rome wasn't built in a day. And when you're putting a veteran out there, instead of when you're putting Trent Scott out there at left tackle, instead of Greg Little, I want to see what Greg Little has. I know what you invested in that draft capital. I want to see what LaMelo Ball can do when you play him 33 minutes a game with the starting, with the best five guys on the floor rather than, you know, having him hit Cody Martin for, for elbow jumpers. 
um, let, let's let him get out there with, with a different lineup. That's all I'm yeah, saying. But Greg I, Little's, if Greg Little's giving up three sacks, then he kind of needs to go on the bench. Like if LaMelo Ball is giving out, is turning ball over five times, like you get benched. Like you got to play well too. Like I understand you want to see him play through it, but the objective at the end of the day for these organizations is to win the game. And if he's not helping you win the game that, that night, then it's kind of hard to keep him, put him back out there when it's hurting you. And the Hornets already have turnover issues as is. And they have enough guys that have experience from last season where they want to win. Like, they brought in Gordon Hayward. Like, they're trying to win this season. I don't know exactly what the hell they're going to win, but they're trying to win. So if he's going to have an off night, you kind of just got to sit him and then hope that the next night he comes out and plays better. Because that's just kind of the rookie up and downs, the peaks and valleys of what it's like to be a rookie in the NBA, especially one with the expectation that Lamelo Ball has. I like the fact that I feel like they're being deliberate with Lamelo and holding him accountable. I think the worst thing they could do would be like, Lamelo, you've got 30 minutes a night. Slap him on the butt and say, go get it. Like to me, that just invites bad habits. That invites this losing mentality where it's, you know, the get mine and don't worry about, no, I, I, he needs to be held accountable more than anybody else because he's got the most potential and, you know, if he's going to be the franchise piece, that, you know, and the, and the guy that drives the car, you, you want him to continue to develop because he needs to get better because it's fun now, but it's not good yet. Yeah. And we want it to get to good. Yeah, I mean, it's a business. I mean, you, you can't go to your job and make mistakes and then, like, think that you're not going to be reprimanded. I'm not saying, like, being vengefully a reprimand, but, like, that's kind of in the way of basketball and the flow of the game. Like, that's – the only way you can really punish you guys, you got to sit them out. Like you're not living up to the standard we need you to set forth. Like you couldn't get away with that at work. Neither should he be able to get away with it, regardless of what your potential talent level could be and what you've done so far this season and what the expectations are for you. If you're not performing in that moment, sit back. So like, yeah, I, I understand the frustration from some. I'm not saying that you're necessarily frustrated, but I know there's people out there who certainly are. I just don't think it really matters right now because like 17 games since the season, like eventually he will be a starter, whether it happens this year or it's next year. 17 games is still a quarter of the season. That's all I'm saying. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the rookie wall is a thing that's existed for guys that are a lot more physical than LaMelo. Like I, I think, I think this year can uh, condensed season. There's a lot of reasons to keep his minutes low health reasons, performance reasons, all uh, lots, because like you said, where are they going this year? They're not going anywhere this year the the development of the young guys is the single most important thing for this organization this year yes so that doesn't mean giving him but that doesn't mean giving him the keys to the car can't learn how to drive without them keys look i mean if you if you're really worried about only development then you can sit him down to the g league and just let him play 40 minutes a night but like that's not no but that's what i'm saying no minutes minutes is the worst thing to just give a kid that's 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 my argument if minutes yeah. matters, then he should be playing in the G League. But no, he needs to no, be up. But, I mean, we're talking yeah. about development. I'm saying his if the worst thing that they do is keep his minutes low in his rookie season, then we're going to be just – Yeah, I mean, he's 19. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll be fine in due time. I just, like, want the Hornets to not lose to, like, the Bulls. That's, <laughs> that's what I want. As much as it's changed, as much as it's more fun – I'll be darned if you can't walk out of the room, walk back in, and find them down 11 to 13 in the third quarter every stinking night. It's the same squad. Like, they added, hey, like, there's that's the thing about it. When it was Rick Bennell who talked to um, Mitch Kupchak the other day in the Observer, and like Mitch was saying, like, you know, we don't want to be to the point where we're uber reliant on Gordon Hayward showing up every night. Like, they kind of, we already saw night one when they went to Cleveland. 
they were pretty damn reliant on, on Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward, the two highest players, by the way. So they should be relying on those two guys. But they were pretty reliant on those two guys showing up every, every night if they want to have an opportunity to win. Not, not just win, but, like, you know, they don't want to fall off and lose to a bad team. Even though nights where they have shown up, they have still lost to them because they still are a young roster that's having to implement a young guy like Lamella Ball and putting Miles Bridges in a different role and then hoping with heavy injuries of Cody Zeller, that certainly hurt them but then hoping that they can get enough from P.J. Washington every night. And he, he's had his ups and downs. And Devontae's struggling to shoot the basketball. Like, there's two guys who I kind of feel pretty confident about going in every night. That's Terry and Gordon Hayward because they've been in the league for a while now. And they've done things at some decent spots, whether it's been in the playoffs. Because even Terry, when Kyrie was out, like, he was a point guard for Boston, and they took LeBron to game seven. He was terrible in that game seven, but he was pretty good throughout the entire playoff uh, period up until that point in time. Like, I trust the guys who've been around more so than these younger guys who were still getting made to the NBA. Like, second-year P.J. Washington, Bridges' third year. Now he's in a different role. Like, rookie LaMelo Ball, like the Martin twins who are coming off the bench. Like, there's still a lot of dudes who are really green, so it's hard to really have that expectation that they're going to be consistent coming in every night, especially when they didn't really – they hadn't played basketball for, what, 10 months before they finally played in December – that's something like really to, to look at as well as the Hornets. So I, I do still expect them to be right there in a playing tournament. If they're not, that's going to be super disappointing. But that they, that means that they need to start turning things around here. As you said, Josh, we're already what a quarter of the way through the NBA season, which reduced by 10 games, 72 this year. So we'll see what they do moving forward. Important question. Do you think that the play in tournament winner gets a banner hung in the rafters? That's really, that's really like, that's the, I mean, that, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Like, I want to see the attendance champion, 1989-1990, uh, playoff contender 2002, and then play-in winner 2020, just hanging right there in the, in the Spectrum Center. I mean, I'll take it, even though all that means is that you won the seventh – well, now wouldn't it be the seventh seed. If you're the Hornets who are outside of it, like the nine or ten, you'd be winning the eighth seed. Yeah. But, uh, hey, I'll take it. Any sort of banners to put up there in that Raptors, considering that we don't really have much to fall back on outside of the color scheme. And we used to have a dude who played something called Grandmama on TV. <laughs> there it is. See? There it is. There's, there it is. Get the attendance champions. It was out of the rafters. Now it's hanging up in Collins Man Cave. Wow. That is <laughs> so Charlotte. That's Julie? Charlotte. Right <laughs> that is. I'm, and I'm wearing a Charlotte Checkers <laughs> shirt with Godzilla on it. Hey, Julian they Council. Championship, though. That's they, a good point. They're still the reigning Calder Cup champions. I don't care if they're not playing this year or not. Like, Charlotte Checkers, they're the only winners in town. Uh, well, Speaking of winners, Julian Council, you're the winner of this podcast. Certainly top three best performance. Uh, Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Julian Council. Um, Council, like city council. Julian with an A, not an E, like that apartment complex in Plaza Midwood. Um, You can also check out the podcast, the 704 with myself, Julian Council, part of the Queen City Podcast Network, on Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, also on Spotify and pretty much wherever you find podcasts. So please do listen. Usually have episodes come out on Thursday. I'm uh, not, not sure I'm going to do that this week, so I'll talk to you guys tonight, <laughs> but we'll see. Um, but, yeah, talking all things Charlotte sports, mainly Panthers, Hornets, like to sneak in some other stuff that's going on throughout the, uh, the city where there will be some MLS in the future, or even the USL team that we have, and a little bit of Davidson, UNC Charlotte, or Charlotte, excuse me, Charlotte 49ers as well. Colin, 
where where you at right now internet wise uh uh signal strength is strong not not having connection issues with Good to uh, know. My, my brokers anything like that today that's 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 fortunate that the little guy isn't having connection issues today <laughs> uh you can find me on twitter at colin clc one more time i give up the farm for watson or stay at eight that's where i'm at right now absolutely the uh yes uh Indeed. i i I think we're all in agreement. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty good for the end of the podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Klein rules, get out there, buy you some GameStop. Do not saddle for bed, bath and beyond or AMC or Blackberry, or, uh, I don't know what else those meme stocks are, but, uh, no, bring back brick breaker though. We need that game back. That was the best thing about having a Blackberry is brick breaker. I do. There you go. I was a big snake. Nokia guy. I don't know free. if that's on, if that's on Blackberry, <laughs> but I'm big. It's snake on the Nokia's. Guy. It's on the Nokias that are about to, to rocket to the moon, too. That's a good one. Nokia, get out there and buy it. That's the that's that's <laughs> this is not what we do on this podcast. The Sam Darnold ice cream recommendation. Julian Council, your one day contract is up. Lenny Bruce is not afraid.